it's a lot of hard work. You know, anybody interested in looking at a resort, it's a lifestyle. You're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. Hi, I'm Michelle Sampson, host of the Destination Northern Ontario podcast. This series is for the dreamers who want to start a new life somewhere simpler. Somewhere that, for the price of a condo in downtown Toronto, you could buy a cottage resort that would be your business and your home. The trail to your new life isn't necessarily paved and easy, but it has been walked before with great success. In this episode, we meet another couple who changed their lives when they bought a hunting lodge in northwestern Ontario. My name's Daniela Hannaford, and I'm co-owner of Brown's Clearwater West Lodge. I'm Brian Wally, and I'm also the co-owner with Daniela on Brown's Clearwater West Lodge. Brown's is about three hours from Thunder Bay and 45 minutes from Atacokan. They have cabins, 80 campsites, and five outposts on area lakes. Daniela and Brian bought this cottage resort two years ago. They were rookies to the tourism industry, but had some experience with the great outdoors and with this property in particular. So I spent uh, 24 years in the logging industry. I was born in Atacokan, born and raised. So I spent many, many summers at Clearwater and, and hunting and fishing, you know, in surrounding areas. I started working in the bush on weekends with my father when I was about 14. And uh, I grew up in the forest industry and in the trees and enjoy it quite well. I'm actually originally from Southern Ontario. I was in Aurelia and my family spent a lot of time in the bush, camping, fishing, and then at our extended family's farm and in the Sunridge area. So the outdoors was never far from my upbringing as well. After college, I moved around Canada a fair bit and then uh, ended up here in Atacokan after I met Brian and, and we settled down and, and started a family. Prior to us purchasing Browns, I was in Indigenous consultation with the Métis Nation of Ontario. I worked with the LRC branch for a few years. Um, and prior to that, I was working at a mill in Atacokan. So my background is primarily environmental science, and I've, I've had one foot in environmental work my entire career. And most of our life outside of work was spent in the bush, either at a bush camp or vacationing ourselves at Browns. So this was a natural transition. Six years ago, roughly, um, Daniela and I had, had even looked into it back then. And uh, I'm a firm believer that kind of everything happens for a reason when it's ready to happen. Brian says the timing wasn't right six years ago because their son had just been born and they were still running a logging business. But then Brian started seeing changes in the logging industry that made him question if he still had a future in it. At the same time, the previous owners of Browns were retiring and needed a buyer. The stars had aligned. To help them buy the property, they reached out to the Atacokan Economic Development Corporation. We actually accessed support from our local economic development corporation here in Atacokan. They helped us get some initial funding. And then from there, we were able to work with the vendor to come to an agreement that worked well at the time for us. And we can't say enough about how much the AEDC here in Atacopan has supported us through uh, the past two years. They're only ever a short phone call away and always there to provide suggestions, uh, be there for us to bounce some ideas off of, and uh, always also there providing us extra information um, about upcoming grants and that type of thing as well. 
So this was a property that you kind of had some experience with. What was that transition like taking over? I want to say because Brian had been in the area and specifically at Clearwater his entire life, it, it was an easy transition. It was the very first place that Brian took me um, on, quote unquote, a date. And we took snow machines up with his parents and um, and another couple that are close friends of the family um, up to White Otter Castle. And then the next day we did a loop up to Ignace. And from that moment on, we were always with any spare time we had at the lodge at the lake. So for us, I want to say it was a somewhat easy and natural transition in that we already knew of the business extensively. There was some close family relationships between Barry Brown and his extended family and our family. So it was a really easy just step in and, and you're off to the races. Um, there was a lot, but um, I think we were able to handle it a little bit better in that we were already familiar with the operations overall of the resort. Aniela and Brian didn't want to make a lot of changes. They liked the resort, and so did a lot of its other longtime guests. We're trying to keep it as much as Brown's as we can because that's what is known North America-wide. We've had guests all the way from Florida know of Brown's. So to go and change the name on it, I think, would be would be a little bit hazardous. Um, we are looking into the future to do a few things, um, upgrading some cabins and infrastructure and built a new deck out front and the overhangs the bank. Um, you know, eventually we're looking at um, extending it and making it bigger. And, you know, it's a beautiful, beautiful deck to go and sit on in the evenings and watch the sunset, and listen to the kids playing down the beach. And it's, it's actually quite a, quite a nice little place to sit at. But it, it takes time. We're going into our third season, so it'll take a few years to really start noticing the big changes and, and upgrades. Did you hold on to the pre-existing staff as well? Some staff came on for the first year. Um, as many in the resort industry know, staff turnover is, is substantial. We had one staff come on for his first season, our first season, and he's coming back for a third. So that's fantastic. And what about the clients? Are you getting a lot of the same clients as the previous owners did? I would say most of our guests are repeat. Um, we have guests that are new last year and returning this year. We have guests that were new in 2021 and, and returning for their second season. There's a natural ebb and flow of guests. Some years it just doesn't work out to come and visit us. Other years they're able to make it 10, 15, 20 years in a row. So a lot of the guests are the same, but we have picked up a lot of new guests as well. I think we're going to see a lot more returning um, American friends come and visit us. So there, there's a variety. And, and yes, most of the guests have, have stuck with us. Aniela and Brian bought the resort back in 2021 when some pandemic restrictions were still in force, including the Canada-U.S. border closure. As discussed in Episode 1, tourism businesses in the Northwest region, like Brown's, heavily rely on American tourists. I asked whether they've bounced back now that the border is open again. Our occupancy is is strong, but it's not where we want it to be. Speaking with other tourism operators, everyone's seeing the same thing. A lot of the American guests that 
aren't necessarily returning have found closer resorts south of the border and are staying with those habits right now. We're still significantly down in our American bookings. And and that, I want to say, is across the board with most tourism outfitters. We're all struggling to try to pull everyone back north of the border, reassure everyone that the COVID rules have been eliminated and it's travel as usual. That's been the main question I've had and guests still think that there's restrictions and different challenges in place to getting up to their preferred resort. Whereas as soon as we're we're able to talk to them, we're able to explain the travel processes back to normal. Hence your optimism about getting some of them back, eh? Yes, it will take time. Um, The the drive will be to re-engage those Americans and bring them back. And are you doing any um, marketing or outreach to either Americans or to Canadians to try and um, fill up those vacancies? We're members of a number of tourism um, associations throughout the Northwest, Superior Country, Sunset Country. And we're trying to put all of our offerings out on Facebook as much as possible and Instagram. Um, And it's amazing how far that reach has spread over the past two years and how many bookings have come as a result of that. Before their occupancy started to recover, Browns did have space. At the same time, the news was full of stories about Ukrainian families fleeing the war. Brian and Aniela connected the dots. It was just uh, the human thing to do. We have space. We have job opportunities. We were in a position where we didn't have a full complement of staff going into last year. So we spoke as a family and we were in a position where we could put some energy into fundraising for flights and other incidentals to be able to support as many uh, Ukrainian families as possible to come to the resort. The first family arrived Easter last year. They actually arrived in the biggest snowstorm of the year back in April when when we were shut down pretty much here from Atacoke and right through to Winnipeg. Um, the roads were closed. That's when they were to land. And then two families arrived June 5th. And then we also supported another family with temporary accommodation. And they since relocated to Thunder Bay. With these work opportunities that you offered them, you've described it as a win-win. I'd love to hear more about the win on both sides. Well, it's fairly obvious from an employer's standpoint in that we had staff for the season, hardworking, reliable staff that wanted to stabilize their family situation in a new country. They were amazing team workers right from the start. As for the win side on them, because we did offer them free accommodations, they were able to save for their first and last. They were able to start their work history here in Canada. We had volunteers set up to the help do things like bank accounts, social insurance numbers, doctor's appointment, shuttling them back and forth between Atacokan and camp as well as Thunder Bay and, and camp. So they had an opportunity to slowly acclimatize themselves as well to Canada, get an understanding of what documents and everything they needed to have rather than just being thrown in and having to figure it out themselves. We kind of formed a a bit of a family. And even today, there were some questions that they couldn't find answers to one of the families and and they're messaging me and, and we're in close contact on a daily basis still. Um, generally speaking, uh, once, twice a week, we're seeing one another and trying to arrange a visit. This winter has been 
a little bit busier than what we previously expected. And we had hoped to be able to visit a lot more, but now we're getting back into some some more regular visits and our kids go over often and and visit the families and, and play with their kids. And um, it now it's just extended family. Oh, that's so beautiful. Are any still with you on the resort or have they all moved on? No, because we had to close the resort in the wintertime. Everybody left in September, but at the same time, um, there was employment opportunities that were coming up and available at Resolute at the end of their term with Browns. Are any of them coming back or are they have they left the nest? <laughs> we have three of the four so far coming back to Browns to work with us in the summer. There'll be some different types of shift arrangements that we have to make in order to coordinate their other schedule, but they're wanting to come back home as soon as they can as well. Did you notice how Aniela referred to Browns as home? For their first year, Aniela and Brian moved into the resort and lived there through the summer and winter. But there was a complicating factor. The kids went to school in Atacogan, a 45-minute drive away. It made more sense to keep the kids in town during the school year. So one week, Aniela would be in Atacogan with the kids, and the next week, it would be Brian. I asked them if that was difficult to manage. It was a lot. It was a lot for Aniela and I to do uh, physically and just mentally, because when you're in town, you're thinking of everything that needs to be done at the lake. So it was, it was nice to be able to just, uh, close up the camp and be home with the kids. And, and I know it was hard on the kids. Our, our middle daughter, she'd mentioned it a few times. She, she didn't want to drive, you know, in the morning. And then this winter was a little bit different. We closed and shut down the end of October. We, I shut the generator off. Everything was winterized. I threw a lock across the, the doorway and you know, we had all moved into town by then and it was just the final close up. And, uh, we're just running the three outposts on the lake this winter. And then from there, May 15th, we will be looking at starting the power back up and getting everything back online to proceed with the next summer. Closing up the resort for the winter didn't mean Brian kicked up his feet all season. As many self-employed people do, he used the downtime to dabble in other work. Ultimately, the logging industry sucked me back in and I spent the winter working in the logging industry. What I've been doing is I've worked in the bush for so many years, a lot of it with my father. We knew a logging contractor that had a, a, a logging camp just across the highway from Brown's Resort. So we brought my dad's big bush trailer over and that's where him and I have been working out of all winter. I was only working till four o'clock, so that gave me lots of opportunities that at the end of the day, I could come back, throw my snowsuit on, go just hop over to the lodge and I could grab a solar machine and I could go and check on the outposts and make sure they're clean for the next group of guests coming in and, and take some firewood over and, and just, just maintain them and, you know, solar panels, keeping them swept off, floor swept and, you know, just presentable. So are you guys planning to grow the business? What are your plans for the next few years? We have a bit of a five-year plan that Brian and I have tossed back and forth. Of course, the first few years, we're still trying to get our footing. Our first season was the first time we were on the other side of the counter. Um, and we warmed up a little bit more last season. You have that many more experiences to, to draw upon. This will be the first season that we have with no pandemic restrictions. This, again, will be a new-to-us season. I'm sure there's going to be some surprises and some excitement just because of that. 
for long-term plans. I think for the next couple of years, it's, it's still focus on some small changes that the guests will appreciate, continue to get our footing and our heads wrapped around resort ownership. And then from there, uh, probably at the five-year mark, we'll be able to start making some concrete plans for, for the future for the business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Are you taking advantage of any programs to help you get there? We have some staff onboarding with us now and actually back to the Economic Development Center in Atacokan. Um, there's, a, there's a wage subsidy program that we can get some of the youth on. So that's something that uh, we've accessed. But the awesome thing about that is that the youth also get 20 hours of pre-employment training. Um, so they're building their resumes so that they have something with them beyond working at Brown's. And we are getting financial support with being able to employ local students for the season. Over the course of their two-year journey thus far, Aniela and Brian have had their share of ups and downs with owning a cottage resort. Two years after buying the property, how are they feeling about their investment? I personally wouldn't change it for the world. Barry bought the place in 1978. And I believe the story goes as my dad was out there in 1979 and has been there every year since. And I was, you know, I was born in 82 and I was, I've heard stories of driving the old road before the 622 was even put in place. And it was just a, an old bush trail up to Browns as that's as far as the road went. You know, I've got so many memories remembering the changes that I've seen go through that place before the cabins were put in and just the atmosphere and everything like that. So to me, it's in me. It's a lot of hard work. You know, anybody interested in looking at a resort, it's a lifestyle. You're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it, you know, to, to see the smile on everybody's face. And I think it was this first summer that we were there, the kids come there and they got out of their trucks and the first round of campers. The kids just went running, you know, and screaming and playing. And I thought to myself, yeah, that is what it's about right there. Big thank you to Aniela Hannaford and Brian Wally for sharing your story. For more information on their business, check out their website at brownsclearwaterlodge.com. Next time on the Destination Northern Ontario podcast, we'll share our third and final case study. It's about a family of newcomers who had never even been to a cottage when they bought their cottage resort. Want to hear how that went? Follow us on Apple or Spotify to make sure you don't miss it. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider leaving us a rating or review. We'd love to hear what you think. The Destination Northern Ontario podcast is produced by Storied Places Media and hosted by me, Michelle Sampson. Thanks for listening. 